Y'all ready? All right, I'm coming down here with y'all. I feel like I want to come right over here. No offense to you guys over there, but it's like we're lopsided today. <laughs> You're going to make me scan. But you get the best of me right here. No, I'm just playing. All right. I will try not to do any heavy mouth breathing in the mic today. I'm sorry. Luke, I am your father. You're blessed then. Hey, you want to hear some good news? I feel like we need some good news, right? So we hear all the time in America that the divorce rate is ridiculous, right? And we hear all the time that the divorce rate in the church is the same as in the world, right? Well, here's the truth. All right? According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 72%. Everyone say 72%. Now, who's this according to? The U.S. Census Bureau. So they kind of know what they're talking about when it comes to things like this. 72% of those who have ever been married are still married to their first spouse. Wow. You didn't know that, did you? 72% of those who have ever been married are still married to their first spouse. Now that is awesome. So how cool is that, babe? We're going to push that number up a little bit more, and you're going to push that number up a little bit more, and you're going to push that number up a little bit more, right? Hey. That's good news. We would think that that's not true. But man, that's just, I just wanted to start there because I thought that was pretty cool. Where did they get those numbers Well, because those that have been divorced generally have been divorced multiple times. So it changes the statistics. Kind of crazy. You can make numbers say whatever you want to. You know, it's all in how you look at it and you can just maneuver it. And I love in baseball when they say, since May 27th to now, this guy's batting 600. But before that, he only had one hit the whole season, you know, and they, and they just maneuver it to where he's in a great streak. I'm like, okay, well, you know, you move it one day back, and it's still not so great. Um, you know, it's just how you start the numbers. So statistics are, they're good and they're beneficial, but you can make them kind of say what you want to. So here's my point. Don't believe what you see with your eyes, <laughs> what you hear with your ears. Lord, we thank you. We just rest in that. <sighs> Numbers are overrated, God. When you hold the whole world in your hands, and we get worried over a few numbers here or there, whether it's our bank account, <laughs> whether it's the number of bills on our counter, the number of people in our church, it really doesn't matter when you hold the whole world in your hands. And you are good and you're faithful. So thank you for the good news today. And we're going to tell everybody, right? Tell everybody, hey, 72% of people that have ever been married are still married to their first spouse. Where'd you get that? The U.S. Census Bureau. It's legit. It's got a stamp and everything, right? It's just good news. I heard something else really cool. Um, there's a, a guy I love to listen to, and I'm going to tell you his name. I don't care. Glenn Beck. He's a Mormon. Did you know that? He's a Mormon, and he loves God with all of his heart, which is wild. He's so close to being a non-Latter-day uh, Saint that it's not even funny. His doctrine is not LDS. And so he said something the other day. He said he was on the plane, and he was just looking out over the horizon because it was early in the morning. The sun was coming up, and this thought, he felt the, the Spirit. Mormons are very spiritual. They believe the Holy Spirit talks to them. Now they're out there in their doctrine. They're not uh, biblically based in any way, but they believe in the Spirit. And so he said that the Spirit 
begin to speak to him. And I it bore witness with me. I was like, yeah, that's what Holy Spirit would say. So I, I want to tell you what he said. It's a new day, and everything we need is already being warmed by tomorrow's sun. And I thought, that's good news. Everyone say it with me. It's a new day, and everything we need is already being warmed by tomorrow's sun. How cool is that? It's a good day. Yeah. You guys good? We're living in the great time right now. And um, God's doing something very deep. How many have ever noticed, how many have noticed this? That when God's doing something really deep, you often don't really see um, fruit from it or in the moment while it's happening. Like it's a really deep work. You don't even see ripples at the surface. You don't, and sometimes you're in the middle of a deep move of God and you're like, where are you? Where are you? What's going on here? I mean, how many prophets in the middle of great moves of God through the Bible says, God, where are you? Have you forsaken me? Have you left me? David cried that out regularly. God, where are you? Have you left me? And he's like, oh, I'm so stupid. If I go to the pit, you're there. If I go to the heavens, you're there. You're everywhere, God. What was I thinking? You know, you were here all along. And so sometimes it feels like if we go by the statistics and the things that we see with our eyes and the things we hear with our ears, then sometimes we're missing what's really going on underneath. And I wanted to, to stand up here and speak to our church today and tell you that there's something going on under, underneath that you're not seeing yet, but it's bubbling, Right? I just want you to know, and this is not um, empty hope. Oh, tomorrow it's going to be better, because I hate that. I hate that message. One day, you know, God's going to break out, and one day your situation's going to shift. Well, I, hate, I hate that, because we're all, the, all of us needing that one day are like, just shut up. Why can't today be that day? I'm telling you, today is that day. It is happening. God always establishes something first in the order of things, before we ever see it manifest in the physical in our lives. Because he's, he's attack, attacking the order of things. If he just gave us the fruit of what we wanted right now and didn't fix the root system that nourished the fruit, the fruit would die tomorrow. So he's really working on the root system and on the base of our, of our plant and the garden. He's really digging deep. And we're like, God, I need this fruit. I need this. And he's like, hey, I'm making sure that you have fruit that will remain. John 15. If you, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will produce fruit, much fruit, that will remain. And that's what the Lord wants. He doesn't want us to be a flash-in-the-pan Christian. A one-hit wonder. How many one-hit wonders are there? Bands that just had great, it's a great song. We love it. But what else did they sing? I don't even know. Did we ever buy their album? No, we just got the one song on iTunes. That's all we know, right? <laughs> I don't even, can't even name another song. The Lord does not want us to be a one-hit wonder. He doesn't want us to be an overnight success. He wants us to be faithful people that finish strong. Amen? Amen. If you want to open to 1 Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> I told Mandy as I was, <clears throat> I was putting some notes together down just so I could have some kind of lanes today that I, I don't really want to teach this today, but I want to get the concept out there and I want you to hear my heart. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into this in, in a great detail. Uh, we're going to 
dive into soul and spirit stuff. I know many of you, have, um, I know a couple of men have come and said, hey, let's, have talk, let's talk about this. And we talk about it, and the Lord opens it up. And, and um, so we're going to get into soul and spirit. We're going to get into the discerning of the spirits more. Um, we're going to dive into it, and there are some concepts and some things that we're going to get into. But if we miss the whole heart of it, then, then the information is just going to make us more religious. And cause us to deceive ourselves even more. <laughs> Alright, First Peter 5. <clears throat> Start with verse 1. And he's saying, this is to the elders and to the young men, but we'll say this is for everyone today, right? To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. I love that. And he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must or because you are under compulsion, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. You're not greedy for money, but you're eager to serve. And then you don't lord it over people. (laughs) You don't lord it over those entrusted to you, but you're an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, who's the chief shepherd? Amen. Jesus. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. I like that. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves in humility to one another. What are we to clothe ourselves in? Humility. Humility. Paul in another place is to put on love. So we're to put on love and to clothe ourselves in humility. All of us. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to those who are humble. Thank God for that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. I love that God gives us the option of humbling ourselves. That's really awesome. That's a good option. I'll take that option. God humbling me or me humbling myself. Okay, let's start with me trying to humble myself. And obviously God's working with us. Because when God humbles a man or a woman, He humbles a man or a woman, right? That He gives us the opportunity to manage our connection with Him in humility so that discipline isn't required for us to do what we should have done out of sonship. <laughs> discipline only comes when we're not managing our sonship or our daughtership with God. It's only required because He's, he's helping manage us into right relationship with Him. Everybody still good? Then verse 7. Cast all of your anxieties and cares on Him. Why? Because He cares. <laughs> it matters to Him. If it matters to you, it matters to Him. Amen? And then verse 8. Be self-controlled. Everyone say self-controlled. self-controlled. And it says be alert. Say be alert. be alert. Another one says be sober-minded. Say that. Be sober-minded. Why? Because you have a real enemy. This is Jared Patterson translation. 
I was telling Matt a couple weeks ago, how cool would it be to just do our own translation of the Bible, like really get into it and study? So maybe that would be a side project we do just for fun. Because, I mean, face it, when we're up here speaking, we have our own translation a lot anyway. I mean, it's, it's what the Bible is, but it's kind of our, our flavor on it. Be alert, be self-controlled, because you have a real enemy who hates you. And he's looking for any way to kill you, to hurt you, to punish you, to distract you, to deceive you, to wound you, to trick you, to kill you. Resist him. Everyone say, resist him. him. How? We stand firm or we're steadfast in our faith. That's how we resist. We don't resist by saying, no, 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 devil. No, 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 devil. That's not how we resist the devil. We resist by doing the opposite. We come in the opposite spirit. So the way we resist is we submit to God. We don't fight with him. Oh, I'm in resistance with you. No, you're actually fighting with him. Oh, I'm resisting you. No, you're actually... You're coming down on my level, and we're wrestling here. He said, don't do that. Just do what you know to do, the good you know to do. And in doing that and standing in your faith, your lifestyle will automatically resist the devil. That's where the scripture says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. What's the standard? It's us standing steadfast in our faith. We are not, let's see here, we are not always commissioned to engage the enemy in warfare. Did you know that? We are not always commissioned. All right, we'll just, that's fine. I'm on mic too. I'll switch to mic too. See, instead of fighting with this mic, I'm just going to switch to mic too. And if mic two doesn't work, loud. Are we good with lead mic? I know, but it's recording, so just, just you know. <clears throat> Where was I? <laughs> yeah, we are not always commissioned to engage the enemy. We only fight when he tells us to fight him. We only engage with him when God gives us the instruction to engage him. That's why when Moses was with God and God says, I'm telling you to go here. He's like, wait a second. If you're not going with us, then we know it's really foolish and stupid for us to try to go without you. So unless you go, we don't go. Unless you fight, we don't fight. And what happens so often is you and I get in this. It's spiritual tantrums. We're angry that the devil is fighting us, so we want to fight him back. We want to pay him back. We want to engage with him on his level, in his warfare, under his terms of war. And we were not commissioned to fight the way he fights. We were given supernatural weapons. What are those weapons? We pull down strongholds. Where are the strongholds? The devil's not running around building his kingdom. Listen to me. He is not running around building little fortresses all over the world. He works inside the minds and the hearts of people, and we build it for him. 
So the way we destroy the works of the enemy is we pull down the strongholds in our own thinking, in our own minds. We give no place for the enemy. Ephesians 4 says, do not even give the devil a foothold. Don't even give him a foothold. So what, what we're doing sometimes, and, and right now, you may not know or feel everything going on, but we're in an intense spiritual battle in, in, for the church right now. We are. And, and you may not know it's been going on for a while, almost a year now. A really intense secret battle. Hello? And I have to talk, I, I, again, I told, I was telling Stephen, we're going to record today and, and we'll see where we go, but we're good for now um, because I, I do want to talk with you guys. We're in this um, warfare and the way we fight is we don't, we don't go sword for sword with the enemy. We don't go gun for gun with the enemy. We will never win gun to gun with the enemy. What we do is we ignore him and do the good we know to do. We ignore him. Psalms says that God stirs himself as a man of war as we sit at his feet and praise him. Did you you hear that? As we honor him, as we sit at his feet as sons and daughters and focus our thoughts and our attentions upon in the middle of warfare, you would think that that's being a lazy warrior. Oh, I don't feel like fighting right now. I'm just going to go lay at Jesus' feet and just cry and love on him. No, you're doing warfare doing that. Because as we do that, we're saying, God, we can't fight this. We have no authority here. We know you're, you're the king. And we don't even want to talk about what's going on out right now. We just want you to know we're focused on you. And his response to that type of, of, of condition of the heart is he stirs himself and he gets angry for us. And he puts on his armor and he goes out and fights the war for us. It's the be still and know that I am the Lord. It's the laying at his feet and resting and God says, you know what? I've got this for you. And the Bible says that he goes out as a man of war and destroys every one of our enemies. And I love years ago, I heard Bill say that. And then he comes back and he tells us, you're such a good warrior. You're so powerful. And all we did was lay at his feet and cry and say whatever was in our heart towards him. And he says, you're a warrior. How do we fight? We do not engage with the enemy. We engage with God. Say that with me. How do I fight? I engage with God. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. He wants to see if he can get you to move. Can I get them to move? Can I get them to take one step over here to fight? Can I get them to say one word in this direction? Can I manipulate the circumstances of their life to get any kind of response from them? Now, if the Lord tells you to fight him, he will give you the uh, weapons to fight him. And it will usually not be a gun for his gun or a sword for his sword. It will probably be something like a pitcher with a lamp in it that makes no sense. 
How are you going to defeat the enemy? Well, you're going to go to work tomorrow, and you're, gonna, you're not going to complain all day long, and then the Lord's going to win the battle for you at work. Okay, God, how does that have anything to do? I don't know, but that's what the Lord told us to do. Well, you're going to go, and you're going to take, take this whole town called Jericho, and, okay, how are we going to do it? You're going to walk around it. That makes no sense, God. Yep, and not only that, you're going to be really quiet when you do it. They're going to think we're crazy. You are crazy. (laughs) All through the Bible, just these weird warfare tactics. He would even, I love it when they, I don't remember who it was, the Amalekites or some ites back there. They were in the middle of the, maybe it was the Midianites. They were, they were having nightmares and they saw um, the army, I think it was even Gideon's army, like a barley loaf that rolled down and destroyed their camp. And they got so scared in their nightmares that they jumped up and started killing each other. <laughs> it's unbelievable. We are in a spiritual war. But we cannot fight in the flesh. We cannot fight from the soul. We have to engage our spirit to God's spirit. Does that make sense? We resist him by standing firm. And then here's the encouragement. rest of verse 9. The rest of the brothers throughout the whole world are going through the same kind of things. (laughs) It's not really encouraging, God. They're winning. That's what's encouraging. (laughs) And then verse 10 says, and the God of all grace who called you, what did he call you to? Eternal glory. I like that. What is the glory? It's the manifest presence of God. He called you to live in a state where the eternal manifest presence of God is the atmosphere that we live in. Let us become more aware of your presence why because as i become more aware of him the bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people and he's a mighty man of war who fights on behalf of those who are focused upon him now after you've suffered for a little while He's like, don't worry, you're going to have some suffering. After you've suffered for a little while, he himself will restore you. How does God restore something? <laughs> he makes it better than it was before. This is not like a reclamation project where you take old wood and make a cool little table out of it. He makes something that's more beautiful and more powerful and more awesome than it was before whenever he redoes something. He will restore you and he will make you strong. He will make you firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to say amen to that. This is where we're at right now. You hit it, And Matt, uh, you may not even remember this. This is probably three months ago. Matt launched us into praise as a church. He sounded the alarm of praise. You remember a few months back, he says, church, we're just going to praise God. Come on and praise him. And you had us all just begin to declare praise before the Lord. 
You are helping get us as a church focused on what our real warfare is. It's not fighting. It's resting. It's praising God. The things that happen in the kingdom do not happen through our warfare. They happen through our rest. (laughs) We're in the Sabbath rest. There's a place. It still remains. The promise of rest is still available to us. And the way we enter into rest is we're not complaining and disobedient and rebellious. This is a season where the gift of discernment will be highlighted over and over again. You know what the word, the gift of discernment is? Does anyone know? The gift of discernment, and then there's also testing the spirits. Everyone has has been told to test the spirits, to see whether or not they are from God. Does everyone know that? That we actually are equipped. When we say yes to, to God, we're immediately equipped to test the spirits, to see whether they're from God. To test the motives of a spiritual atmosphere, climate. To see whether or not it's God's. But we're also given the opportunity to have a gift of discernment. And it's really the word yada, yada, to know intimately. It's, it's beyond just, dis, it's beyond knowing something. It's like an intimate knowledge of something. And God wants us to begin to discern and, and so as we continue in this message over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into this because there are layers to this that are, um, I didn't even realize this when I did a study of a month or so ago and found out things I didn't know about discernment. I thought it just meant the ability to tell whether something was good or evil. That is part of discernment. And we've all been given that ability to know good from evil. Kind of happened in the garden, kind of by accident, right? But we were given that ability. But there's a greater level of discernment to where we can know the heart of God, to where we can know the mind of God. Who can know the mind of God? Who can understand your ways? Oh, he gave us the mind of Christ. You guys all right? So um, last Sunday, we were on our way to lunch, and the Lord dropped this word in my heart. And so we're going to close with this and a couple of quick points. If, if you're in a struggle concerning discernment, then it is critical that you are slow to speak and slow to action. It's okay to not know something. Because we can seek to know. And if we seek to know, God will reveal himself to us and will guide us. So if, if we're trying to discern something and we don't know, then just Sila, pause in the presence and just wait. Seek God for information, for knowledge, for revelation, for wisdom, for direction, for guidance. He will give it to us. He will not withhold it from us. So if we don't know, it's okay. You're, there's not something wrong with you because you don't know. I know a lot of times M- Mandy and I will have conversations, things that we need to do, or decisions we need to make. And I will have to tell her, babe, I don't just have a conversation and make a decision. And she, she'll tell you, babe, I have to think about this for a few days. That's literally how I work. I can't just. Now, sometimes, you know, you have the gut instinct and you just know. You discern. But then sometimes I don't know. And I've become okay, finally, with, okay, I don't know. It's okay. I don't have to know everything. 
used to, I thought because I was a Patterson that I thought I had to know everything. But I realized I don't know everything, and it's okay. <laughs> All of us can say that, right? I don't know everything, and it's okay. So we had to pause and say, God, will you show me? Because you said that you would send the Holy Spirit and he would reveal to us all the things that we need to know. He would teach us. So if you don't know something right now, it's okay. Seek him for knowing. It is also okay to be still when you're seeking. Instead of hedging our bets, I'm going to try this over here and I'm going to try a little bit of this and I'm going to try that because one of them is bound to work out. And be the right thing. Don't do that. <laughs> it's okay to be still while we seek him. Because it's in the being still that we're anchored to the knowledge that he is the Lord. And this will keep us from a sin called presumption. Or assumption. You know the old saying, when you assume. I'll just stop there. Presumption. <laughs> the sin of presumption. Let's describe that real quick. Presumptuous is a person who is who shows little respect for others by doing things they have a right to do. It is showing little respect for other people by doing what I want to do anyway because I have a right to do it. That's presumptuous. It is also overstepping proper boundaries. It's free will on steroids. <laughs> See, immaturity is having a gap between our character and our gifting. Everyone hear that? Immaturity is, is the gap between our gifting and our, what was that? Uh, our gifting and our character. That's immaturity. All right? And it's okay to be immature. Did you know that? As long as you don't want to stay immature, as long as I don't want to stay there, it's okay. I'm immature in this gift, God. All that means is I don't know how to use this yet, and I need you to teach me how. And as long as we say, God, teach me, then immaturity will become maturity. Always. So that space between our character and our gifting is immaturity. But presumption is me refusing to work on it with the Lord. Presumption is knowing there's a flaw or an immaturity or somewhere that the Lord wants to increase my ability and me saying, that's okay, I'll pass. Everyone's still okay? All right, so here's, um, in, <clears throat> I want to read this from Charles Spurgeon. How many of you have ever heard of him before? Great preacher. That's right, man, He's a, that guy's a stud. This is from 1857. This is almost 200 years ago. He preached this, this sermon called uh, Keep Me From Presumptuous Sin. It was from a prayer from David where he said, God, and keep me from, forgive me for the sins that I knowingly have committed, but also keep me from presumptuous sin. Sins that, that I, I do out of my will that I'm not even aware that I'm doing it out of rebellion. Oh, me. So here's how he describes presumptuous sin. And this is, again... 200 years ago, so I'm going to use some of his um, language here. Presumptuous sin would be acting or speaking in the name of the Lord without the authority of the Lord. <laughs> the Word of God works, right? It's, it's true. But when I 
do it outside of the authority of the Lord, I am actually an enemy to God. I am at odds with God. And the, the words that are truth actually become a lie in my mouth because I don't have his endorsement. So when we say we speak for the Lord, when we say we prophesy, then we better make sure that we're prophesying what the all capital Lord wants us to say. See, we'll get into this in, a, in the next few weeks. If I pray, Lord, help me to do X, Y, or Z, and Jesus is not the Lord of my life, who am I praying to? I'm praying to me. Lord, if Jesus is not the Lord of my life, and I'm saying things like, Lord, help me to get this job. Lord, help me to win this. Lord, help me to do that. If he's not the Lord, then what I'm actually doing is I'm praying soulish prayers. i got to read this. I can find it real quick. This is Proverbs sixteen, twenty-five and twenty-six. <clears throat> there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction and death. And then this verse, I've never put this verse with it because that's in proverbs and in another place as well that exact verse there's a way that seems right unto man it's in proverbs 14 12 but verse 26 of chapter 16 says a worker's appetite works for him and his hunger will urge him on so when i paired that with that first verse there's a way that seems right unto man when I think that I know or I begin to, to express desire that's not birthed from God or not um, redeemed by God, then what I'm actually doing is I'm creating an appetite in myself and my appetite will urge me to do what I said I wanted to do. I will create the atmosphere to fulfill the longing that I have spoken from my mouth. That's presumptuous sin. You guys okay? The second one is an outright rebellion against light or truth. This is just a blatant disrespect for the truth of God or the ways of God or the order of God. That is why alternative lifestyles are a presumptuous sin toward God. It is saying you created me and I'm broken and I'm going to do what I want to do because I was created this way. This is any kind of alternative lifestyle and i will say having adulterous relationships is an alternative lifestyle <laughs> having promiscuous relationships is an alternative lifestyle it's not the right way so by doing any of these things i'm saying you know what god i'm going to do what i really want to do anyway and it's completely against the order that you established for a family for a husband and a wife to be together you guys okay See, it defies the ways of God. It defies the truth of God, the wisdom of God, and it defies the discipline from God. The third category of presumptuous sin is deliberate sin. It's where we make provision for the flesh. It's where we create the atmosphere for temptation to flourish. 
I mean, we have appetites. We're humans. Let me say this. A lot of the appetites we have are not evil or wrong. But we're supposed to manage our appetites. All of them. And for me to create an atmosphere where I no longer manage my appetite, then I'm in a presumptuous sin. Because I'm saying, you know what? God's going to forgive me tomorrow. God's grace is sufficient for me. And we take a truth and we distort it for our own desires. That's presumptuous sin. And the last one. It's any sin committed by relying on our own strength. Let me explain it the way he does. I love his stories. It's really cool to hear you know, their, you know, their uh, scenarios. He describes this in his sermon. This was June 7th, so almost exactly however many years ago. I can't do math on the spot. You are sinning presumptuously in being today what you are. You are saying, in a little time, I will solemnly and seriously think about God and religion. In a few years, when I'm a little more settled in life, I intend to turn over a new leaf and think about the matters of godliness. And then he says, sir, you are presumptuous. You are presuming that you will live. You are speculating upon a thing which is very frail. So that's presumptuous sin. Oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll deal with that tomorrow. I'll engage with God later. I'm frustrated right now. I'm busy right now. My mind is everywhere. I can't even, I can't manage my mind right now and engage with God. Yes, you can. Yes, I can. It is possible. And here's the next story. This is from the same sermon. And Spurgeon says this. It's like a man telling a young man that he shouldn't go to the casino. Because that was a big sin, I guess, in 1857. (laughs) Don't go to the casino, young man. But I go. And someone says to, to that man. Why do you go to the casino but you tell them not to go? And the man says. I have such strength of principle. That I know just how far to go. And no further. I know that I can go just so far in such and such a sin but I know that I can stop. And he says, no, sir, you are presumptuous. <laughs> we know what our limits are. Amen. <sighs> so don't, let's, let's not push the boundaries. Let's not put... Um, honor in our own ability to stop. Now that does not mean that we don't have self-control. We do. How many of you have a lot of things that you, I mean, the Lord has taught you and given you the ability to control yourself and that is there. This is not disregarding self-control. But this is the relying on my ability to control myself outside of God. Saying it's okay, I can handle this. Maybe we should check with God first. And I'm not talking about things we do or don't do. I'm just talking about the condition of our heart. 
Oh, it's okay for me to engage in this conversation. It's okay for me to engage in this thought process. I won't actually carry this out in my life. It's just a fantasy. It's just a mental thing. No. Who am I to say that I can stop what I'm dreaming about from being reality? It's presumptuous. God wants us to be perfect in our faith. He even says, I'm the author and the perfecter, the finisher. I didn't want to initiate you and then just leave you as you are. I want to make you beautiful and perfect in every way. I want to finish you, perfect you. You are my masterpiece. Amen? He wants us to grow into maturity. He even tells us over and over again to become mature in our spiritual giftings. I'm preaching to the church today because we are responsible for our gifts. We are responsible for the words that we say that are from God. We're responsible for the advice that we give to other people when they're asking for godly counsel. When someone comes to me and asks me for godly counsel, I better not share them Jared counsel. It may be good. It may be smart. It may not be. It may be completely stupid. They may get walk away. I will never ask him for advice again. That's, that's all right. But I have to rely on God. What would God say? The Lord wants us to be in the middle of these opportunities and be able to stop ourselves when he says stop. Don't say that right now, Jared. Why not, God? It's the truth. No, because if you say that, then it will undo something else I'm doing that you don't even know about. So shh. Yes, Lord. That's hard. It's it's simple. I'm learning this right now with with baseball and coaching with with Josiah. I want to, to give him instructions every play. You know what that does to a kid? Dude, shut up, Dad. Or... I didn't even hear you talking, Dad, the whole game. They tune us out. There's a dad on the team that it's ridiculous. And he even says, it's my job to control everything about my son. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're in the middle of a baseball game right now, but I'm fixing to call my buddy Matt, and we're going to have a family, family life program discussion right now. They are in control of them, buddy. You are not. And for me as a parent to think I can control everything and just yell all this stuff out, and sometimes we do that. We want to give all of our advice away and all of our truth away to people because it's truth. And sometimes the Lord just wants us to shut up. I'm, I'm talking to me. Just shh. But they need to know that. Maybe they do, but not right now. But it's true. Maybe it is truth, but if you say it now, it will crush them. You guys okay? And so... I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to go back to it because it's, it's important. We are in a season as a church where we are learning to draw all of our strength, all of our enthusiasm, all of our encouragement, and all of our hope from the Lord. We've been in a struggle with a spiritual struggle over control. And we've, we've described one of the spirits as a Jezebel spirit of manipulation and control. And we're not going to struggle with these things anymore. We're going to engage with God. 
We're going to shout praise. And the Lord is going to win the victory for us. So we, we bind the lethargy that has set in because we're learning something new. How many of you have ever been at work and they're trying to teach you something new and you get to that point of learning and you're just like, man, I just can't learn it anymore. I'm just, I'm done with this new program, this new system, whatever it is. I've, I've saturated my ability right now to learn something new and I'm just lethargic and I'm tired and I don't care right now. Well, as a church, I felt that lethargy come in because unknowingly we were receiving some cues from the from places we shouldn't have. Does that make sense? Unknowingly. Not from evil hearts or evil intentions. And now the Holy Spirit's coming in as our teacher saying, okay, let's go back. Now, was this from the Lord? Was this enthusiasm in the atmosphere from the Lord? Was this prophetic thing from the Lord? Was this feeling from the Lord? Was this um, testimony? Was this miracle from the Lord? You guys okay? And... We're like, oh, God, my head hurts. <laughs> this hurts and my head hurts all at the same time. I'm taking NyQuil and I'm sleeping this off. <laughs> Good night. And the Lord's going, it's okay. You're learning something new. And I'm taking the lethargy away from this new process. And you're going to learn to receive your cues from me. And what I just said there is really going on it's gone on i mean it it's really true and now we're learning to receive our cues from holy spirit amen (laughs) why don't you just talk to the lord god we want to learn our hearts are for you. You have our attention. Oh, like Kyle sings, you have our heart. You have our soul. You have our attention. You have our affection. It's true, God. You have won our hearts. Uh, we belong to you, God. We really do. And we trust you. And so we declare today it's a new day and everything that we need is being warmed by the sun of tomorrow. (laughs) The things that need to grow in the bridge church and the families of the bridge church, they're growing right now and we will see the fruit. And what's even more awesome is our children will see the fruit and our grandchildren will see the fruit. And our great-grandchildren will see the fruit. And our great-great-grandchildren will see the fruit. We are allowing you, God, to grow deep roots. Why don't you say that? I am growing deep roots into the kingdom, into the heart of God. And I will pull all of my nourishment, all of my strength, all of my encouragement from the Lord. I will take my cues from Holy Spirit. 
I will be spirit-led. Capital S. <laughs> be alert. Be self-controlled. Matthew 24, Jesus told them, be on guard because in the last days there will be deceptive spirits that will be unleashed on the earth. And then there are other places in the New Testament where it says they will not only be deceived themselves, but they will deceive others. It will, it will create a cycle. So we say no to that. And the way we say no is we say yes. Everyone say it with me. The way I say no is to say yes to something else. It's true. Hmm. Why don't you stand? <clears throat> yeah. Let's pray for a neighbor. Let's pray that they're really alert. Spiritual, Holy Spirit sensitive. Go ahead, let's pray. Don't stand alone. If you're alone, go find somebody. Yeah? are strong and courageous God we put on the full armor <laughs> we put on the full armor of God all right so here's what I'm we're going to close if you need prayer at the end uh, we want you to come up to the front and someone will pray with you <clears throat> let me say this so testing the spirit is testing the spirits and see whether or not it's from God discernment isn't then knowing what course of action to take so the lord wants us to be people that test the spirits and we know what's from god or not but then we know what to do 
It's like the sons of Issachar. They knew the times that they lived in. They understood the times. They didn't, they weren't able to just forecast and say, oh, this is going on. They knew what to do. So God, I pray for the bridge church, everyone connected to the bridge, every person in our family from the youngest to the oldest. God, that we would all be people of discernment, that we would be able to test spirits and know what's from you and what's not from you. But then we will also have a gift of discernment where you will show us and teach us what we need to do, what's required of us because of what we've experienced, what's required of us because of what we sense in the spirit realm. Make us like the sons of Issachar. Let us know and understand the times we live in. And let us carry the the influence to shift the atmosphere. Let us carry the influence to come in the opposite spirit of what we see with our eyes, what 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 we discern, God. It was discernment that caused Jesus to heal people because he brought a solution. Discernment is bringing a solution. It's knowing what to do. So God, help us to know. You said if any of us lack wisdom, that we would ask you and that you would give it to us freely. So we ask for wisdom, God. Now, God, we ask that you would infuse us with hope, (laughs) with encouragement now, with joy for what's taking place and what's what's here right now, what's being manifested, what's taking place in the root system of our church. God, we're excited about it. We love it. We say yes, we submit to you. We trust you, God. We really trust you. We have no fear. Say that. I have no fear. (laughs) Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for being here. It's a good day. Really, we want to pray for you if you need prayer. Don't leave. Don't leave home without it. Don't go home without it. Amen. We love you guys. We bless you. Family life is Wednesday. Prayer, two hop Tuesday, men Saturday. So we got a busy fun. Oh, worship Friday. We got a fun week, man. All right. Don't say you got nothing to do this week. Grab a bulletin and mark your calendar. So we love you guys.